I still have network. Hmm. But I don't have you. I think that they're trying to, I don't want to say desperately, but they're trying very energetically to get that millennial group and the non-casino playing group in there. And in, I think it was my latest column in seven, I looked at some of the reasons why, if you look at the actual numbers, there's a pretty good reason to try to get those people who aren't playing a lot of casino games. So it kind of seems like a good idea as Chuck and other folks have said, it's been, it's not the first time that any, anybody's done this, but you know, it's just doing it that, with that win style that I think makes it different. I don't know. Is it good? Is it revolutionary? I, I don't think so, but kind of everything is revolutionary. As you guys know, if you're following the whole media buzz thing, everything yeah. is all newest. And the, I, yeah, I saw something where the Cromwell was the first boutique hotel in Las Vegas, it's oh. not eight, but it replaced Bills in the Barbary Coast, which had been there since the seventies, which is the same size. Yeah. But that's so, not a hotel. That's not a I, so yeah. It's it's oh, they've always got a. To me, I I don't know. Maybe I'm just so jaded with the hype stuff. I would just like them to roll it out and say, "Hey, here it is," and it's fun. I I was sort of surprised because I when talking about the uh, EPC EPC. In advance, I was expecting something a little bit more uh, delineated from the uh, casino floor than my impression is based on photos. I have not seen it in real life, so I'm looking at pictures. But it kind of just seems like they walled in an area, put in a pool table and some TVs, and want to have people have a different experience. I'm not quite sure how different it really is. Talking to Sean Christie, he kind of stressed that it wasn't going to change the rest of the casino because the press release made it sound like it would, where you'd have the DJ and the music. And I said, well, wait, is that going to change it? He's like, well, no, we've, we've had the DJ for a long time. They're just putting him there. And you could already hear that music in the casino. It's not going to change anything. And if people like the casino, they're going to like, of course, he's not going to say, yeah, people who like the casino now are going to absolutely hate this. But he didn't seem to think it would change a lot. And he thought it would just give him a chance to offer a bunch of things in one place and draw people. You know, the Tau casino club seems kind of on a different level from this where it is more of a profit center and i think it's the same kind of thing where you're taking the vegas experience and commodifying it which seems to be a bit to me that seems just looking at what the Tao casino club does the pitch behind that seems to be like, Hey, look for whatever, you know, you go online, you make your reservation, put your credit card down and you're guaranteed your appetizers and everything and space at the table. And here it is. It's all here. You get it all. Boom. Just put your credit card down. It seems like it's, it's that same kind of thing where you have the whole experience prepackaged for you and you don't have mm-hmm. to go out and find that really cool bartender. Who's going to put the game you want on TV I wonder how different it will be when the beach club is in full swing and how that will change. Cause right now it's a quiet time, right? I mean, there's like the couple cowboys and that's pretty much it, <laughs> but like, I, 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 I wonder like in the, in the, you know, May to September when there's like a kajillion people 
running through the beach club, is it going to change a lot? I mean, I don't know. Chuck, what do you think? It's less than what I expected it to be. I figured it was going to be a little more uh, enclosed. It was going to be a little bit more exclusive, a little more velvet rope, or maybe physical rope, physical walls, instead of, you know, putting putting a couple of tables and low lamps in the way so you can't sneak in and hang out so i i did you know but after seeing it the way they did it 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 got me thinking a little bit more that uh, this is basically a casino with training wheels it has a couch it has some TVs and some other places where people can relax and hang out and and do things and we'll just put a blackjack table here and and a table a bar height table uh right near it so your friends can sit at that table and drink and talk and play with their phones while you're at the table or another one of your friends is at the blackjack table and there's no real pressure that you're on the table but you're still sort of adjacent to it you're at the same eye level the same sensation level feel level of, of being a part of the action Right, uh, and and I could see uh, the entire casino. I can envision. Maybe I see it better in my head than what it is, uh-huh. but a casino that is more uh, like the Talon Club, you know, a more uh-huh. um, high roller ish, but lush and relaxation so there's a, a fainting couch there and then there's a baccarat table where you know the, the the person who's not playing can go hang out on the fainting couch and it becomes more of a mingling social area to to relax and and hang out and you can gamble at here and you can gamble here as opposed to here is a rigid grid of tables set in this way right that's very you know, precise, and you're only going in there to gamble. It's like putting slot machines in the bathroom, right? Eventually, <laughs> you know, the, the, possibly, right? Captive audience. <laughs> Imagine, like, take that to the extreme, where we're used to completely public casino floors. I mean, maybe not completely, right? Because there are high limit rooms, but, you know, if you want to sort of, you know, force your way in there, they can't really stop you. Um, at least in a sort of very vague sense. But uh, what if that changes and it's all about sort of like these little club type zones and it's like, well, you got to go in this club or go in this club. I mean, it, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Well, that's I when it becomes the, the junket rooms in Macau sort of operate that way, but you have to come in with a specific guy to get to get into one room. You can't just walk into the room. You have to be playing with that junket. I think it's set up really well for small, well, for medium-sized groups of people. So, like Chuck was saying, if you're there with 10 other people, you're not all going to be playing blackjack. You're not all going to be playing playing slots. This lets you all stay within proximity of each other and do a bunch of different things. So, I think from that perspective, it's really good. Yeah. And this could appeal to people. I want to see what happens with the Suzo Hap, if I'm saying that right. The Suzo Hap tables, the little surfacey type yeah. tables, because to me that's something that I don't actually. I don't even know if I would want to do that because I could just stay at home and <laughs> watch whatever I want to at home. But I'm not. Yeah. I'm not the target audience here. Now the idea of having the 
themed area next to the nightclub uh-huh. was tried at SLS, wasn't it? Where they had the they had life, and then they had that little the casino that had the retro carpet in it, right? Right next to it, which I guess casino, yes, which I guess yeah, which didn't go over so well, but wow, the, you know they certainly didn't have the <laughs> kind of volume hard to, to have it encore. <laughs> hard to tell if that was. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not trying to be uh, defeatist or anything. I'm just saying that the this is an idea that's already out there in the air. What I thought was interesting was. I didn't realize that Sean Christie, I saw, and maybe I'm, maybe this is just a, a misidentification, but I saw at least one story where he was, where it said his title was, uh, win Las Vegas, see, like senior vice president of operations or something like, uh, which to me sounded like a pretty significant, um, uh, promotion from like nightclub guy to mm-hmm. operations was, guy. That was Rob Oslin's job. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of, when I was talking to him, I said, all right, you know, I have your title as blah, 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 of operations. He said, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, and he was pretty engaging when I talked to him, pretty uh, forthcoming. So I just find that interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, that shows the whole direction that the, that, that aspect of the business is going in. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Aria. Um, it's going to remove its Cirque show. It's going to remove its theater, expand its convention area, and uh, they're spinning this as a, a win for Aria's overall profitability. Which I think, I think this is a really interesting story because you know Cirque for ten thousand years has been sort of the golden child of MGM in terms of entertainment. Uh. Though, of course, there's been some misfires, right? I mean, there was Viva Elvis, which was a predecessor to Zarkana. Zarkana has not really done that well itself. And, of course, there's other shows like the Chris Angel show at Luxor, which is not really very well received. But the fact that they're literally bulldozing their theater and expanding their convention space, I think this is really interesting because for so many years, it's like the the formula for a successful casino hotel was like, Coffee shop, Italian place, steakhouse, theater, you know, it's like the stuff you could rattle off that was in every single hotel, whether however you sort of jiggered the differences. Um, they're bulldozing their multi-million dollar Cirque Theater and turning it into a convention space. Like, I think this is notable. Do you guys yep. agree? I agree. Yeah. I think it's definitely notable, for sure. Why, you know, A, it's... The obvious thing is, well, here, this is strike two in the same location for Cirque. There will not be any more Cirque shows in Las Vegas. That's it. They're not going to get another one. But this also goes through the whole thing with Cirque, sort of their little ownership change and all, all the things that are going on there. So maybe MGM is just generally debolting themselves from, from the Cirque situation. But the fact that there is going to be no theater there, they decided not to say, let's go a completely different direction with the entertainment. Let's just kill the entertainment altogether. But this is, is this a question of the entertainment being a problem? Or is it just go right back to the whole problem of city center, the design of the building? Second floor, up on the top, tucked away. Here's a giant Elvis head. Go that way to go to the show. Or is it like, you know, it's a question of, not only did they misconfigure the entertainment, but 
has the nature of entertainment changed? Is it more about nightclubs than showrooms? Their nightclubs have failed too, though. Well, sure. So you could. So I guess the question is whether you argue that in the same breath or whether that's a separate set of problems. I don't Dave. have an answer. <laughs> I think you look at the over. I think you look at the whole resort and what is the purpose of the resort. You know, the purpose of the Sands in 1960 was to get people to play craps. How do you have them play craps? Rat Pack. That's how you get them in there. You know, and then, yeah, during the middle of the week, you have you have some convention space. So in the middle of the week, you can get the conventioneers in. I think Aria, the way it's built, is just a different animal completely. And clearly, the convention guest is really good for business. So they're going to add more space. They get more money from renting the space. They'll charge a higher room rate to the convention guests than the people booking through third-party online travel agencies. I think that's what's driving a lot of this is, you know, what kind of guests are they going to attract? And if they have more space, they can attract more of the business traveler guests who are going to be doing more stuff in property. Then if they want to see a show, they can go to another MGM property so they have that bonus too, and they don't need to have the the show there for them to see. So they they really soft played the circ part in the press release. It was like, hey, yeah. we're expanding the convention thing, and there's literally one or two lines at the very bottom that was like, and by the way, it's going to take up the space that was previously used by Zircana, which is going to close April thirtieth. Um, does this mean that uh, the? I mean, pretty much what we got used to was. New MGM property equals new Cirque show. Yep. Um, does this mean that the expansion of Cirque is over and that they are kind of, you know, I mean, granted, they have a lot of successful shows still, so I'm not going to, you know, dance on their grave or anything. But does this mean that the expansion of Cirque du Soleil is pretty much done in Vegas? I don't know. They did just sign Chris Angel to a five-year extension, didn't they? So wow, they must be doing something was- there. And I know the the widely reviled Chris Angel is is getting an extension. So it's still working. I I mean, I believe it's it's working in the places that it's working, but like is there any sense that it's going to expand? Well where would it expand to? Well I don't know. I mean that's the big that's the big question, isn't it? Wynn Wynn opened and felt compelled to do a Cirque esque show, right? I mean like, you know, they couldn't get Cirque because of contractual reasons, but they were like, we, the Cirque thing is so important. We're going to do like basically a carbon copy. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not happening anymore. Is it? I don't think so. If Alon and resorts world open, it would be interesting to see what they have. I guess not. You know, the, the trend seems to be going more towards the quote unquote, hate saying this word residencies of, big headliners that seems yeah. to be what's hot and right. it's been hot for the past five years so that that's what i think they would be geared more towards i wonder what else is going to be the next big thing right i mean so of course like residencies of you know significant like pop and rock acts are sort of easy no they're known quantities right you know you kind of know how popular somebody is you can figure out how much how many tickets you think they're going to sell um which is sort of the britney spears equation right but what else, what's the next big thing? Because that's not really been the way that Vegas has operated for ages. They, the, the Cirque du Soleil thing was like this amazing opportunity to sort of have this new uh, language, language neutral 
entertainment that uh, would sell, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of tickets over, you know, a decade or however long it's been, two decades maybe. Um, what What is the next version of that? Especially when you consider the change in the way that people experience entertainment, right? Is it, is this stuff, are, are the showrooms going into a really long, slow decline as nightclubs and DJs and whatever, you know, they do in the future are the, are, are they the future of this thing? I don't know because you, you know, you think about that. You also think, think about Jubilee closing, which right. is the other big thing. But on the other hand, you have all the shows that David Sachs does that are doing well. You know, and I can't, I'm totally flummoxed to think of the name of one of them right now, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, sure. a lot of the shows that you see in the Miracle Mile shops, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I think doing well, I put them in quotes. I mean, I don't, you know. Well, yeah. yeah they, well they, enough. I mean, that, assume they're profitable, right? But like, yeah. they're not doing Cirque well. Yeah. Oh no. But if you get, you know, if you get what's on or whatever you get or listen to the highway vibe driving up, <laughs> you know, there's just such a huge plethora of entertainment on the strip. So yeah, I no think doubt. there's a lot of it, but yeah, it's changing and you're probably going to see more stuff that ties more in with pop culture kind of things. It feels like, uh, the traditional stuff is eroding faster than anything is coming in to replace it. And clearly like in terms ultimately what you're competing for is, you know, obviously people's money, but attention, right? It's like for a long time it was you would go to dinner and then you would go to a show and then you would, you know, come out of the showroom and you would go in the casino. Like that was a very traditional model. And now you're competing for that attention with nightclubs and the Encore's, Encore Players Club and whatever else kind of goes beyond that. And uh, I think it's fascinating to see how it's all sort of coming together. And at least as far as I can see, there's no winner, right? There's no clear winner. It, people are trying stuff, which is good that they should be. But uh, we're sort of in this weird in-between period where the younger folks are way less interested in stuff like Jubilee and maybe even Cirque du Soleil. Um, but uh, they're not, you know, the, the nightclubs are a thing, but there's, I think there's still an opportunity for some kind of middle ground. I don't know. I, I think it's fascinating. It feels like we're sort of in this in-between period to me. If you can build off of an existing reality TV show, you know, something like, so you think you can dance, you've got a huge audience already built in. You don't have to spend a lot of money in advertising. Just basically say, Hey, we're here. Unlike a Jubilee where somebody says, Jubilee, what's that? Is there any potential for like YouTube stars to have Vegas shows? Is that going to be a thing? You know, know, Hunter, I have this written down right here. You (laughs) you read my mind. (laughs) The Palms has done a bunch of things recently, bringing in YouTube stars and People with uh, super massive Instagram followings, especially social media folks like the Fat Jew and all these other people who who do these things, you know, whatever it is, social media stars to come and they're the new celebutards. Nobody <laughs> wants to see another Brody Jenner, but now they've got these these folks that everybody knows who are famous for nothing to come. And everybody goes and Instagrams together. So, you know, it's, you're absolutely right. YouTube stars, social media people, this is going to be the new interactive entertainment. There was a lady that ran people over. Um, I know, terrible story, right? I mean, like, I 
I I may not have my numbers up to date, but uh, I believe one person was killed, and there were many others that were seriously injured. So you know, this is not a joke. This is a serious thing. But I I don't think we necessarily know exactly what happened. But to something like this, what does this do to tourism? Is this something where people will see this and they'll be like, I don't want to go to Las Vegas because just because this happened, or is this kind of just like a one off? you know, unfortunate, very, you know, tragic event, but um, something that doesn't really impact visitation. I don't think it impacts visitation because remember 10 years ago, we have somebody did kind of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we had the, the shooting with a car exploded yep. and killed an innocent woman and the cab driver that yep. didn't affect it. So I don't, I don't think it does. And the guy who walked into to New York, New York, off the bridge, and started uh, spraying gunfire from the top of the stairs. Yeah, yeah. So, I think I hate to say this, but the, this stuff just happens, right. and I don't think it's really going to yeah. slow it down. I mean, it's it's such a terrible tragedy, and it's no, so it's awful. It's it's just terrible that we live in a world where people can do that kind of thing to other people. But yeah, I mean, that's the world you know, we live in, right? And the descriptions of the event are just horrific. I mean, you know, I I guess we'll maybe find out as the whole thing unfolds what the motivations may have been. But it just, you know, it's incredibly tragic and it's awful. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, of course, any of us, anybody that listened to the show, any of us participating on the show could imagine walking down the street at that moment. Like, it's all a place yeah. we've been a thousand times. So. It yep. literally could have been any of us. And yep. uh, so it's just, you know, it's kind of freaky. Yep. Yeah. These people probably just left, you know, watching the Bellagio Fountain show, walked across yeah. the street, you know, and just had like that great Vegas moment. I love this place. Let's go over there and get a hamburger. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. this kind of nonsense. Really. I, I wonder if this kind of thing is going to change. You know, the sidewalks are, you know, fairly open in if you go to you know like new york city or washington dc or any place where you've got a lot of public government buildings they put those like pretty severe concrete little barriers i wonder if we're going to see more of that on the strip for yeah. for to, to prevent this kind of thing well they you know after there was i think two or three of those kind of experiences up by bally's that dave mentioned where people went up onto the uh, the sidewalk there, and hey, that's a corner. You, you know, you get slightly t-boned by a car going through a red light. You're going to send that thing right. into the uh, into the the drink in front of Bally. So that's totally completely sealed off at this point. So there's that also that large stretch up by uh, Harris that is pretty much open to the sidewalk. But yeah. All the I think there's just going to be barriers all the way up until places where there's no traffic. So I'd say encore. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, you know, it makes sense. Other than you know, I don't know if this is intentional or not. Sounds like based on what the police have said so far, they believe it was probably intentional. But whatever the circumstances were here, you know, even if it's just an accidental, it, protecting the people that many people walking on the street. I guess it's probably something we should have been doing, but uh, you know, I assume that that will happen. Can I talk about a nerdy thing for a minute? Yeah, go ahead. Based on a comment thread on 
Vegas tripping, I threw together a report and I'm totally forgetting the commenter who I was responding to, but he was interested in basically the departmental margins and which departments do better than others. And I promised I would do something. I don't think I did exactly what he wanted because I couldn't get that information, but I took a look at what the departmental margins, what their income was over the past 10 years. So for example, if you went back to 2004, about 48% of the money that the casino made, they kept. The other 52%, they paid out in taxes right off the bat. They paid out in salaries and comps and all that. But about 48% of that money they kept. Okay. And that's not profit because they still have to pay the utilities and all that and all their overhead, but that's what they kept. And that's a pretty good number. By comparison, the food department then, and this is statewide Nevada, was a net loser. So it's a loss leader. Right. Let me just throw something at you right now to try to make sense of this. So as of 2014, in the big strip casinos, casino department margin is about 36%. So out of every dollar that you spend there, the department keeps about 36%. Mm -hmm. Rooms department, 62%. Mm -hmm. Food department, 17%. Mm -hmm. Beverage department, 39%. Others, about 50%, and that's retail and entertainment. So if you have to invest money, where are you going to invest it? Retail. Yeah, probably retail, entertainment, that kind of stuff. Also, the rooms, trying to get people into those rooms is going to be big. And trying to keep those room rates high is going to be big. And it's funny because we've seen the most growth and the most competition in food, which is the lowest margin. So if you're spending all this money to get Gordon Ramsay in and Giada in, it's funny that you're spending that much money on your lowest margin thing. Right. Well, I, I mean, I you know I think you could argue that it's the whole package, right? So, yes, Giada is food and beverage, but she drives room rates and she drives mm-hmm. casino spend. So it's like yeah. it's the whole package, right? It's getting people yeah. into your building, and they are going to then spend money in all of your outlets. Yep. There was an article in the Review Journal this week, list, this week or last week about the Cosmopolitan and about how they're finally making money, right? Which is, you know, something we've talked about for ages on this show back from before it opened. And, you know, the, the, the story was, I, I thought the article was kind of funny because it was like, Bill McBeth is now running the Cosmopolitan. He's like, you know what, just did a couple things over here and did a couple things over here. Made it sound so simple. <clears throat> the people that were running it before were were no dummies, right? I think it's there's a huge uh, time function that is uh, you know favoring him in this case. He's got the benefit of uh, all of the building that has been done over the past uh, few years that led up to this. But you know, it's interesting, right? I mean, you look at the Cosmopolitan and great room product, uh, a lot of bars and uh, and the nightclub that does extremely well, restaurants that are well regarded. Um, it's hard to imagine why it couldn't do well, right? Great location. So it's like, you look at that and you're like, why didn't they make money? That's almost the, the better question than how is he making money now, right? How, how did they avoid making money up to this? I mean, granted, building the place was uh, extremely expensive, but, you know, it's kind of amazing that it didn't make money until now. And that, I think, says a lot about how the market has gone in the last few years, because that place couldn't have been better positioned 
except for the the lack of a comprehensive player database. But, you know, other than that, which is no small thing, but, um, you know, everything else is kind of going their way and they still had a hard time making money. Yeah, I I have I have a thought about it, but it it's not supportable by science. Like Unwin's science. Goal, we don't do science on this show. Uh, yeah, Unwin's goal was to get the place bought. You know, yeah. not yeah. necessarily turn it into a gangbuster business. So you you don't want to you don't want to shoot the books too hard. So if you if you get it, so you see that there's a lot of potential upside for a new operator, but it's not emerging, then it makes it more enticing for somebody to buy. A fixer-upper is better than <laughs> somebody who walks into a house, pays top dollar for something that's already done. Yeah. You know? Sure. I don't know. I just think it's... I, I'm ha- I'm happy they're making money. Like, you know, every everybody that I know, they may have complaints about various aspects of their operation, but everybody I know loves that place. Like mm-hmm. they, there's a lot of goodwill towards the cosmopolitan. And yeah. the fact that given all of that, they couldn't make money was this amazing aberration in my mind for so long. Right. I mean, and there are reasons for it that you can point out. It's not like it's a mystery, but it, it's still, it's, I'm happy that they are able to turn that corner. Mm. That's kind of the reality of the business, though, is that you can have a place that is absolutely packed that's not making money. Tough gig. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But I think it's, it always has been historically. This is something that Steve Wynn said once that blew my mind when he said it. And he said it in that way that only he can say it. And he said something to the effect that pretty much in every day of the Las Vegas Strip's history, about half the places were on the verge of bankruptcy. Is that really true? Uh, the way he said it, it sounded very convincing. And he was able to... Uh, <laughs> he, he, that and, <laughs> he has that knack, doesn't he? Yeah, and well, you know, you look back at history and, and he's not wrong. You know, look at all the places that, that didn't make money in the end. There's a reason why pretty much every place has, has opened in the past 20 years. It's that the people that were there before just weren't making money. So, yeah, I mean, he kind of had a point. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. So I've been working on this update for a long time. My, I, I like to try to time updates with uh, iOS updates. Right. But, uh, you know, so that would have been September. Yeah. Um, that didn't work out. I've been working on it since June when we first found out about what was going to be in iOS 9. But all kinds of other things, you know, I, the the Vimp, the Vimp app that we did uh, was a priority, and then there's other stuff, work and life. So um, didn't get to finish things up, uh, but it finally has been submitted, so it's a wow. pretty big update. And um, there's uh, a bunch of technical updates and actually some kind of big other changes as well. So on the on the technical front, it's exciting because it finally supports all the new tech stuff. So that means it supports the iPad Pro and it supports iPad multitasking if you want to use that. Wow. Um, and it supports uh, stuff like Spotlight, so you can do search. All the all the content in the app is now indexed into Spotlight. So if you just search your phone, you'll actually get Vegas results from the app through your normal search, which is kind of cool. Um, and uh, it also supports if you have a uh, iPhone 6s or 6s plus it supports supports 3d touch for a bunch of different things as well cool. um, so you can sort of preview stuff when you go in which is sort of fun 
Um, so it's got all kinds of new tech stuff, which is awesome. Um, but there's also some pretty big uh, changes inside the sort of content side as well. Um, the first, the first big thing is that there it's no longer a subscription model. So when Vegas Mate first was released, it was uh, you pay whatever and you get the app. And uh, I migrated to a model a couple years ago where the app was free and uh, there was a bunch of ads in it. And if you wanted to eliminate the ads and get some extra features, you would pay a couple bucks um, on a subscription. And that worked okay. But the thing that always bothered me about that was that I hate ads and I didn't really like that I was giving the vast, honestly, the vast majority of the people that downloaded the app were getting an experience where they were getting ads and stuff and the ads didn't really make very much money. So it always felt like this sort of weird compromise for me. Um, so what I've decided to do is uh, not something totally unique. Other people have did, done this as well, but basically the app is completely free and you get everything. Um, but uh, you have the option to support the app through a patronage model. So for the people that care about supporting future development and stuff, you can basically, it's like the equivalent of like a tip jar. Um, you can throw a couple bucks in there if you feel so inclined. And if not, that's fine. You still get the same experience. Um, but uh, I, I, I like the idea of giving everybody the sort of the best possible version of the app. And it hasn't been about making a kajillion dollars ever. <laughs> yeah. So it, it sort of feels more sort of intellectually honest. And um, my, my hope is that, that uh, there will be, you know, enough uh, super nerds that uh, feel like it's worth a couple bucks here and there. We'll see how it goes. Um, but it, it just, you know, it feels, feels good for me. I feel like I, I'm happy with the, with the arrangement. And so I'm excited to see how it works out and we'll see what happens. That's great. That's good. I, I agree with you too. You know, VT is run based on ads. I don't have any problem with ads as a thing. Yeah. Like advertising is part of the world, but yeah, I do. But you know, but, but listen, as a, as a, an old school uh, internet dude, who's been building websites for 22 years, <laughs> you know, the, the whole thing about ads, this is like the second wave now we're happening. Yeah. First, there was the first wave of all the pop unders and the JavaScript and they figured oh out how gosh. to kill, they figured out how to kill that stuff. But now they're doing the JavaScript and it happens in the page, you know, with the flyouts and the divs and all this stuff and, you know, auto start audio ads and all this stuff star South Park did a great episode has been a series of great episodes about ads on the internet that have been fantastic, you know, and if there was a way to continue funding the development of your software in a, in a patronage way, I think it's great, man. And I hope it works well, out. I'm for we'll sure. I'm going to, going to, you know, I've been subscribing to your app for sure. All, all these years. I now. appreciate that. I'll continue we'll, to I do mean, that. We'll see what happens, right? It may be a bust. It yeah. may work. It may not. I mean, my, my impression of the market is that there's a, you know, a huge market of randos that are never going to pay, but might get some utility out of the app for like a day or two. And then there's like this really small core 
market of people that actually really care and use it all the time and like want to do trips and like do they, they sync trips between different devices and mm-hmm. yeah there are those people but it's a really small really small version of the overall market and i don't know the the if if the vast majority of people are going to interact with it in a way that like has really you know these interstitial ads and stuff i i, I wanted to try something different we will see what happens it could be a complete failure but uh Honestly, at the end of the day, uh, where I'm at with all this stuff, I'm doing it because I like doing it and it's fun and it's it's not about uh, making a ton of money. And so I have the freedom to experiment a little bit and I'm going to see what happens. So the other thing I didn't mention, which is is important, is I am getting out of the ratings and review business. So um, for a long, a long time, there was uh, eons ago. Uh, <laughs> website I started called ratevegas.com. I was like, hey, it'd be really cool if you could like rate stuff. Um, turns out, here. yeah, you know, turns out that uh, there's a little website called Yelp uh, that has been pretty successful. Yeah. Um, and even beyond Yelp, there's uh, a little company called Google and a little company called Facebook. Um, and they have kind of all decided like, Hey, you know, we kind of want to have this whole database of places that have ratings and tell people where to go. Um, so it's really very difficult to compete with, uh, multi-billion dollar conglomerates. Um, so it's funny um, you didn't mention TripAdvisor. (laughs) Well, you know, TripAdvisor is important and in in travel, it's like, you know, kind of the big, the big kahuna, but Mm. I, I don't know. I, I personally don't use it a lot, but I know that it's huge. I either way, um, doing ratings and reviews is kind of like you can't really compete with them. They're all in there. So I'm not going to even try anymore. Um, and instead, you know, I can direct people towards the relevant uh, pages on other sites, whether whether it's VT or whether it's Yelp or whatever. But can't wait to see it. Yeah. So it's going to be good. I'm happy to get it out there. It's been a really long time coming. Like I said, I was expecting it to be done in September, and uh, it's now December 23rd. Yeah. So you know, life happens. Yeah, yeah. You're. It's, I'm. I'm right behind you with the mobile version of ET. That'll yeah, get I, I know. I know you know. <laughs> I know you know. <laughs> Jonathan Jossel, the guy running the plaza. There's a a piece in the RJ, again, Howard Stutz, writing about how they're doing better over at the plaza. But the thing that I liked most about this was a call-out to our good friend uh, Derek Stevens. Basically, uh, Jostle's saying, I'm sitting at the bar every night because I watched Derek do it, and it's working for him, and it's smart, and I'm going to do the same thing. And I find this like a very refreshing uh, way of... Uh, he's taking, in in my opinion, he's taking all the right lessons from uh, what Derek's doing at the D, which is interacting with customers and being a public face, a, a a real public face, you know, someone that you can literally go down and like shake his hand and talk to um, for his property. And if if that ends up uh, translating over at the plaza, you know, good for them. So I I I, I liked this little piece of the article. Um, I felt like it sort of vindicated this whole strategy which i think we, we've talked about a lot which makes a lot of sense to me personally so i we'll see if it works but i i think it's i think it's uh i enjoyed it which bar dave, I, I know, you, dave you know this guy right i mean i like, do know him yeah 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 and they actually talked they uh howard talked to me for the article I, yeah, I know so, yeah he 
It's true. Cause I asked him like, well, what are you doing different? And he explained that they put more money into the upkeep of the rooms and they're trying to focus more on giving better service for the rooms. He's out there all the time, good gaming conditions, and basically just trying to give people basic things at a decent price, which seems to me to be the ticket downtown. Yeah, well, like, I'm going to literally quote you from the article, right? Huh. You, what you said, which I totally <laughs> agree with, good gambling conditions and yeah. eye on quality and walking the floor go a long way. And to me, that's like, you don't need to know anything else to be successful in at least downtown. I, I understand running a strip resort is a lot more complicated, but to me, that's sort of the prescription for doing a good job, especially in a place where you can sort of hold the whole thing in two hands. And so uh, I, you know, I'm heartened by the fact that there seem to be people that are paying attention to that credence. I really like that Derek seems to have brought back the role of the on-site owner slash manager to yeah. the casino. That's really cool. Yeah, And that's I such totally, a cool totally thing agree. to think that within, you know... A couple of years ago, even downtown seemed so totally corporate. And just to turn that around that way, it's it's really interesting to see the impact that one person can have. This, you know, this goes back to Jackie and yep, right. You know, it's not a new thing. Binions right? and Steve, mm-hmm. you know, Steve is walking around in wind right yep. now in yep. his pajamas. Yep. Well, you know, no. so it's crazy hair. But then again, you know, Jim Murren is hanging out at Sensi. Well, that did happen, right? So I, you know, we get, buying drinks for our our listeners. Yeah, I mean, we did we we give Jim a ton of shit, but I've you know we heard at least one story where <laughs> uh, I I mean you know I I say that being serious, I'm sure that there are more that I I'm not aware of, but uh, you know he hung out with uh, Detroit 1051, who's a, a longtime listener and. Uh, Apparently, they got a chance to talk about stuff. So, I mean, my impression of Jim Mern is that he doesn't do stuff like that. So, I was happy to be proven yeah. wrong and to hear a story, a counter-narrative. Yeah. I like that, counter-narrative. They have so few advantages relative to the strip. That's one advantage that they do have, where you right. can have that kind of personality there, which is going to really make it so much better. Turn that sort of perceived, you know, oh, we're smaller, right? Which you could see as a weakness, but turn that into a, a strength and be like, you know, we're going to go after that. The impersonality of a huge resort, I'm going to go after it with a super yep. huge personality. Hey, you're welcome here. You know? Yeah. Hey, I heard about you from blah, blah, blah. Hey, all right, cool. Let me buy you a shot. And to see, I mean, at least in Derek's case, right? I will see how it plays out in other other locales, but... My impression is it's been hugely successful to him, right? Like, he, he really presses it. You know, you go stay there, and, like, the recorded message, the sort of auto voicemail you get is like, Hi, I'm Derek, and I'm down at the bar. And, like, come see me. Like, yeah. he really pushes it hard. And it seems like the, the amount of Facebook posts I've seen from people that are like, oh, we went down to the bar, and, like, the guy that owns the place was there. Like people are, don't believe it. And they see it and they're like, wow, it's amazing. And even if it's like a handshake, like it means a lot to the people. Like it is impactful. So like it really does work as far as I can tell. And, uh, you know, in credit to other people, you know, I've seen Steve went around his properties and he talks to people and he seems as far as I can tell, pretty charitable about taking pictures and talking to people. So like it, it's, it's not just Derek that's doing this stuff, but it, it does seem to make a big difference. 
there is a pretty big story that uh, un- sort of unraveled over, over the last week or so, which is the fact that Sheldon Adelson now owns the largest newspaper in the state of Nevada, the Las Vegas Review Journal, which we have cited kajillion times, which is, you know, huge paper, um, very important in the state, and uh, not just in terms of coverage for gaming stuff, but of course, as uh, Nevada is an important state in the uh, presidential primary, which is happening uh, in 2016, also very influential there. Um, this was a pretty fascinating thing. So we, we learned the paper was bought, and then we didn't know who owned it. And then it was kind of like back and forth, and the reporters were kind of freaking out. And then it turned out we found out that Adelson's family bought it through sort of a complicated arrangement. It's very arm's lengthy, but yes, they do own it. And uh, then we found out that the editor took a buyout. And so, you know, this is pretty big media upheaval for Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, Dave, obviously I want to start with you. As an observer of this, someone that's very familiar with the a lot of reporters from the Review Journal, what's, what's your thought? Well, it's definitely the kind of thing that I don't think anybody ever saw happening, especially given his relationship with reporters past and present from the yeah. RJ. I, mean, I don't think sued, anybody... He sued them. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody ever saw this happening. So I think everybody's kind of waiting and seeing what's going on. I know John L. Smith had an editorial where he's basically said, well, let's give him the benefit of the doubt, see if he lives up to his words, which I, I guess is the best you can do in that position. But yeah, I, I'm still not really even sure what to think about it. It just seems to me the crossing of a line that you wouldn't have seen crossed a while back. At least in the, you know, you always had the gaming industry exerting influence, but it was never that kind of direct influence. It was like, hey, if you print bad, if you print something bad, we're going to pull our advertising, which they did to, to Hank Greenspan. I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm not sure what to think about this because, you know, clearly like the most obvious explanation is Adelson is a big supporter of Republicans and potentially he wants to be able to have exert even more influence in the nomination in his home state. I mean, I guess, right? That would sort of make sense. That's a simple explanation. Um, he owns newspaper interests in Israel. Um, he's a huge supporter of of Israel. Um, and his newspaper there, as I understand it, uh, is, you know, has a very conservative bias towards uh, the Prime Minister, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, and he's been very vocal in support of him. Is that going to be the position he takes here? I mean, I guess we don't know, but people are, people are, I think, a little bit nervous about it. And I think what was, you know, there was this period where we didn't really know who owned the paper, which to me was like, what? Like, that, that is just, you know, obviously it's, it's uh, become known since then. But imagine being a reporter and not really understanding the potential conflicts of interest that you may have <laughs> with the ownership of your newspaper. I mean, I'm glad that that didn't stand for too long, but that's a pretty weird situation. You know, and I, for people who are theorizing about the political stuff, I don't know exactly how much influence the RJ would have in the Republican, you know, nomination, because 
even just in today's political world, are people really going to change their vote based on what a newspaper says in their editorial? Yeah, no, it's a good question, right? Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little bit too apolitical. Well, but I, I don't I mean, think I'll wait right. to get my opinions from the RJ's editorial staff. If I was already going to vote one way, it would definitely confirm that. But I think people are already doing that. Yeah, I, I, and I don't know. I'm sure that there are, uh, you know, political scientists that can uh, gauge this sort of thing far more significantly closely than I can. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just the whole thing is kind of fascinating. Like. They they paid above market price for it, right? So they wanted it for a reason. I agree, I agree with with uh, with you for sure. They did want it for a reason, and that reason is politics. The timing is right. This election coming up is huge. It's huge. You know, the with the Obama administration and all the other social changes that have come with uh, deregulating. Things like marijuana and different types of gaming and gay marriage and just the way the the pendulum is swung for eight years of a democratic administration. This year, with a uh, very solid uh, proven track record of Hillary Clinton that they're going to have to fight against and the open seat of Harry Reid, that's coming up this year too, right? Uh there's a lot of there's a lot of impetus for for uh Sheldon who's politically active and spends a lot a lot of money to pursue his agenda by supporting candidates owning the megaphone the largest newspaper basically the only newspaper in Nevada I mean yeah, in, in Las less. Vegas yeah. right Yep. You see the Review Journal and the, the the sons of fold out in the middle, you know. If you, if you get that far, you know. But in terms of what's going to be on the front page, if it's you know a steady stream of things that are uh, basically propaganda, let's say it's propaganda or it's uh, choosing to focus on specific issues, uh, things that are paint various candidates in positive light or negative light or using it to further specific gaming agendas, uh, uh, digital fantasy sports or whatever it is that Sheldon's not into, you know, having that on the front page with the largest uh, newspaper readership in the state, it's going to, it's going, even if it sways 3% of the people that 3% will change the election, potentially. Every yeah. single vote counts. You saw what happened in Florida. We're all not that old where we don't remember that. <laughs> yep, you yep, know? yep. So if Nevada's, how, I don't know, remember how many electoral votes there are in Nevada, four or five or so. Uh, you know, if, if those can get swung and it's a close race, then why not? You know? Yeah. And Sheldon's I mean- willing to, and when he's going to sell it, as soon as the election's over, it doesn't matter. He doesn't want to be a newspaper man. This is It'll a short-term play. Yeah, you think so? It'll be interesting to see if he su- holds on to it. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if right after the election he dumps it back to the guys he sold it to, and they get it back for a bargain. So, like, I, I get know. to use this I, for a year. Fine. 
I think I might disagree with you on that point. I, I have a feeling that it's the kind of asset that, you know, he's never going to make any money off of it. As long as it covers its costs, he'll uh, be happy to have a megaphone as long as he can, uh, as long as he can handle it. Cause he doesn't need the money back. So it's like, who cares? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's fascinating. I mean, obviously the story has captured the attention of everybody. I mean, you know, people were, especially when nobody knew who bought it. <laughs> You know, should it was they, all over should, the place. Should they even have a gaming reporter now? Isn't it just entirely a conflict of uh, interest? I mean, yeah, potentially, right? I mean, I don't know how Howard Stutz can do his job, right? I mean, it's going to be hard. They're going to have to... I mean, I, I guess in a perfect world, they make assurances, and the readers have to decide if they buy them. I mean, you know, yeah, it's hard. It's tough. He's got a tough gig, for sure. And, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I know him a little bit, not well. And Dave, you probably know him better than I do. But uh, I saw him on TV talking about this. And, you know, he seemed pretty distressed about the whole thing. Like, he was unclear about what was going on. I, my impression was that, you know, he cares a lot about the paper and he wasn't sure what was happening. And he was a little bit freaked out. And so, I, you know, I obviously can't speak for him. But uh, I, my, I'm sure that this is not uh, his ideal circumstance. <laughs> So when's the next LVS? Uh, when's the, the next quarterly? January, Feb- March, I've February. Probably, it's probably you know they're gonna probably. I assume they'll announce their. Uh, yeah. You know. So we'll we'll see what happens. In, we'll see how January. Yeah, we'll see how Howard covers that. I guess so. I guess we'll have to see what happens, right? I mean, we're people can only be judged based on uh, how it all goes. Yeah. I mean the the stories that I've seen. Uh, the reporters have complained. There was a story in the New York Times. The reporters have complained a lot about the coverage of the sale, saying that their pieces have been edited. Um, so, you know, if that ends up being a thing, I, I, I guess I just hope that there's continued scrutiny so we can sort of understand if we trust the Review Journal to be an independent news source and not just a sort of mouthpiece. Well, I, want, I want to ask Dave. Right, Dave. You're you're the gaming reporter for Vegas Seven, basically, mm-hmm. right? If they got bought by Steve Wynn, Vegas Seven, and he had editorial control over what you were writing, what? How would you handle it? That's a good question. You know, I guess my answer is I don't do so much of the beat reporting, and it's more of the human inter- interesty type stuff. So. I don't know if it would affect what what I do so much. You just but, did but, you just did the story yeah. about the Encore Players Club. Yeah. So I guess it would if they're saying, "Hey, you can't write about this." Or they dropped in a sentence saying how awesome it was. How awesome it is. Yeah, that would that would kind of get me a little bit if they dropped something in there saying, "Oh yeah, this is going to be the biggest innovation since sliced bread." Yeah, that that would definitely be some creative differences there. It'd be difficult, but I think it goes, it goes to the deeper question of cross ownership, which is huge. So in seven, could I write something that was really critical of life is beautiful, given that seven is co-owners of life is beautiful. Probably not. Probably wouldn't go over very well. You know, am I going to say yes, downtown sucks and (laughs) all this stuff is terrible? No, because that's the big constituency there. So I think it goes to that. I'm also wondering if anybody read it was last week or the week before when that 
Harry Reid had tried to get that rider stuck onto the bill, the big omnibus bill that would have basically changed the rules for seizures and the bankruptcy. And there were, and in the sun, Brian Greenspan wrote an editorial basically saying how this was such a great thing for Nevada. Yeah. Mm. Which of course, predictably some half of the commenters said like, Oh, terrible, awful. And the others kind of seem to ignore it, but it seems to me that that's the kind of thing you would have to look for. Is that kind of saying, well, this political move is actually really good, even though some people may think it's bad. Right. Which is a really dumb way of talking. I'm sorry. In a perfect world, I think we'd have smaller media groups that were, you know, without the whole, the whole conglomeration. But I think if they were successful, you would have that. So I think that's kind of what we're, what we're stuck with is that if you're trying to actually run, you know, could you run a local daily newspaper at a profit as a standalone thing? I don't know. Maybe yeah, and know it doesn't either. seem to be what I'm, what I'm hearing from people in the media. But, you know, Sheldon Adelson, I don't think he bought the RJ to make money. Right, like yeah. it's, <laughs> so well, exactly. he has he has some kind of other <laughs> other motivation in mind. So it's like is is that what we're is is this what we have to look forward to? Is that yeah. you know a lot of media is going to be owned by somebody else who's doing it as a hobby? I have to you know I have to ask. Maybe I'm just a skeptic, but I I never really felt that the RJ ever really kind of hit anyway. You know. They they never slapped the at least the gaming biz. They never hold their feet to the fire or ask any difficult questions ever. So I don't fully see what what could be different here. The politics, yes, but in the gaming biz, you know they they're kind of complicit. Well, like how about this whole thing with the Public Utilities Commission and what they're doing with rooftop solar, where they've gone and retroactively changed the rules seems you know that seems to be a story they're reporting on you've got tons of conflict of interest there well not comp but you've got warren buffett who owns nevada power who obviously likes this and you know what if he had bought the rj yeah what would you what would you see so i think no matter who buys it you're gonna see some kind of i don't know conflict there I, i think that's my that's my fear is that no matter what media source we get it's going to be somehow biased, and it's either well, it's owned by Warren yeah, Buffett and sure. his allies, and what the, and their agenda they're pushing, or the Koch brothers and their allies who are pushing this agenda. You know who whose agenda are we yeah. getting? I don't know. It's but I, I just want to say from there's from a historical bias. viewpoint, this is totally consistent. If you went back to the 19th century, every city, you know, even the early 19th century, they would have a Whig newspaper and a Democratic newspaper, and that was. Yeah, but that was like yeah. really clear, right? It said on yeah. the top of the thing, right? This is this, their RJ is not going to say like <laughs> yeah. Adelson Newspaper Incorporated. Yeah. I guess you're right, but it was very obvious. I don't go to the movies very often, but uh, I have seen a couple of good movies this year, which I would love to. Uh, to uh, talk about briefly, and I don't know, there's probably music and movies and fun other things, news articles and other great stuff, TV shows from 2015, anything, it doesn't matter, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I, I was thinking, like I said, I don't go to the movies very often, I'm a, a sort of hermit, but I did see a couple of movies this year that I really liked. One is The Martian, which um, is now available through other means, 
as of Tuesday. Theft. But yeah, well, that probably, <laughs> theft, theft probably before that, but like iTunes and, you know, Amazon and other places now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like this movie, right? So I read the book when it first came out and uh, I thought it was great. And then when I found that they were making a movie, I was like, oh, well, we'll see. But um, I thought the movie was great because like, it's just got this incredibly like fun vibe and, I love space stuff, and I really want to go to Mars. I was super excited to see SpaceX uh, landed their rocket the other day, and mm-hmm. I think that's you know one small step towards making space uh, you know cost feasible for stuff like sending people to Mars. And so I just I love really like this movie. It's fun. It's like you know don't think about it too deeply. There are some definitely some flaws in the whole science of it, but you know it's still not terrible in, in that regard. And it's just fun. I thought it was, you know, funny. I thought Matt, da- Matt Damon was great in the movie. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing it again. I saw it. I agree with you completely. I, I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, Matt Damon was great. The sets were great. The whole figuring out how to communicate was great. There was just all sorts of great dorky mathematical things going on there and becoming his own botanist. I loved it. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was fun. Dave, I know, I I know that the world of having children means you never (laughs) see movies, at least based on everybody I know that has kids, they never get to go to the movies or they, they basically just see frozen over and over. Um, (laughs) But uh, have you seen this movie? I've not seen that movie. I'm trying to think of what the last movie I saw was, and I can't remember. Okay. Uh, I saw the Hunger Games. No, wait, is it? Yeah, Hunger. No, not in the Mockingbird. Mockingbird. Well, crap. uh, Mocking crap. Mocking Hunger Games, Mocking Jay, Breaking Dawn, Part 6 or whatever it was. Okay. I saw that. How was that? It was actually better than the second half of the book, so there you go. I read a really good book. Which is? And I'm really excited about. It's called Station Eleven. It's by Emily St. John Mandel. I feel like I've read this or heard of this somewhere. Tell yeah, me more. it came out in 2014, but I read it this within the last month. It's a really good dystopian future thing, post-apocalyptic dystopian thing. But it's really oh, I have this book on my iPad. Ha! I read like the first chapter and then I got distracted. Yeah, no, it's yes. really good. I really liked it. So I'm really yeah, excited. Okay, I'm gonna finish it. It's just fun cool. reading. Like, oh my god, this is by an author I haven't read before. Really good book, and just total being immersed in it, and then being actually, I was kind of depressed when it when I got to the last page. I'm like, I want to, I want to know more. I love books like that. Yeah, you know, I did. I think I maybe mentioned it on the show in the past. I can't remember. There was a book I read um, called Seven Eves. Yeah, which was that's an awesome. Did book. I talk about it on the show? Yeah. Do we, do we talk about it? I mean, it's, yeah, it's I read that too. Book. Yeah, I mean, I that was the same. I had the same kind of. Same kind of vibe where I was like, man, I'm bummed this is done. Like, this is a really cool story. Yeah. It's the ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. You know, obviously, recently, uh, Star Wars has been a thing. I am a huge Star Wars fan. I went to see the new Star Wars movie uh, twice so far. Um, I'm I'm definitely not going to talk about the plot because I know that there are people out there that haven't seen it yet. So that would definitely be sort of an unfair spoiler thing. But we talked about it a little bit at the beginning. Um, I uh, definitely recommend the new Star Wars movie for for people that uh, care about that sort of thing, or even if you don't. Um, <laughs> I I thought it was a lot of fun. I saw it. 
like Dave mentioned, and who knows how this is all going to get cut together, but like <laughs> Dave mentioned, I was seven years old when the first one came out. And I remember the guy coming out at the movie theater. He said, I have four seats in the front, front row. <laughs> and my dad looked at us, my brother and sister and I. Mom didn't come to the theater. And he said, all right, we'll take him. So we sat there right in the front. The lights went out. You know, and the ships overhead, uh-huh. and the whole thing was just, you know, stunning. So I, I've had the early bird kit of the figurines, and I, I actually really liked the the three of the prequels. The first, the first one I tried to watch recently. You know, I did a little cramming over the last week uh-huh. to, to prepare, and I could barely watch the Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah. It was so not, bad, that, not very good. Yeah, it was really, really bad. So I went. I went to this, and and I, of course, like Dave, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. I came to Star Trek after Star Wars, uh, and I loved what J.J. Abrams did on the reboot of the Star Trek. He took elements of Star Trek, but created a new thing, new plot, new story, you know. And then he call back a little of this and call back a little of that, and then Khan shows up, and you know, of course, those two movies, great. Great. I was looking forward to this, and and I made the purposeful decision that I was going to put my head in the sand. No trailers, no spoilers. I didn't watch any of the videos that came out. I didn't even talk about it to anybody. Like, I didn't want to know. I just wanted to go to the movie theater and experience it. And I have to say that I was actually really let down by the movie. Really? Yeah, it's not I was entertained by it. Certainly I was entertained by it, but it it, it just seemed like a an endless series of this is episode 4. You know, like the hiding the plans in the droid to start the mm-hmm. movie, you know? I don't think that's giving away a spoiler, but that is how the, the fourth one started. I love the fact that, you know, these little bits and things and, you know, this stuff would show mm-hmm. up from the original. It's like, oh, it was so great to hear that. So great to see that. But there was so much of it was derivative of the earlier movies. And it's to me, it, it felt like this is Star Wars, the next generation the first season, like Roddenberry, or actually maybe the, the first season, the end of the first season, and the second season, like Roddenberry's out of the picture, right? George Lucas, the Roddenberry, is now out of the picture. And here are these other people now who are trying to create this. They, they tried to bandage it over a little bit by keeping some of the old stuff, the old haggard actors to... To, to, to connect the dots, but it's really about these new, creating a whole new series of characters that don't mean anything and relationships that don't really connect in, in, in specific, concrete ways. And, and I, I felt when I was watching it, I'm like, uh, I, I enjoyed it, but I'm like, I don't really care about these people. Like, wow. This, this is, there's just so much action and intensity, but I just don't, I'm not, like, I couldn't I I couldn't suspend my disbelief. There was just too much too much of aping episode 4 for for me to 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 to, to give into it. It wasn't it wasn't enough for me. Maybe I need to see it again. So, well, I I so anyway, I I don't know if seeing it again is going to change your mind. Um 
I I don't disagree with that. Uh, this the story is is derivative of the first of the first movie. Like, there's no doubt. There's a ton of similarities. I totally disagree that the new characters aren't like awesome and the relationships don't matter. Like, I actually thought like we have the most inclusive Star Wars universe of all time. We've got a like a, a woman that's like the fucking badass and like a black dude and like I, like this whole combination. And like, I felt like they had a pretty gnarly chemistry together. Like, I thought it was a really great combination. So yeah. I I think I, I disagree with you I on like, that one. You know, I, I the, the, why the Darth Vader mask. You know, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, you know what I mean. So we could I, I go on. We could go on for this f- for hours. I, I've had this discussion with four other groups of friends who are all old. Yeah, stuff, yeah. You know, and we've hashed this out. I have yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of nitpicky kind of, and maybe I'm just a jerk. And I know I'm a jerk. I am a jerk. I, I so, admit well, it. Well, I would. I, would I, I just. I think they're setting they're setting things up, right? I think they're trying to introduce a new set yeah, of fans to the, Star Wars. It's the and new so, generation. And so I I think this is gonna be a setup movie. Yeah. If if the next movie doesn't sort of go if the next movie isn't the Empire to this one's new hope, then I'll probably be disappointed. Yeah. Um so we'll have to see what happens. But uh, you know, I I, I enjoyed it. I thought I, enjoyed I had it. a good time. I enjoyed times. it too. And it, don't don't mistake. I I enjoyed I enjoyed watching the movie, but I I left there saying, eh, at the same point. Okay. You know, because the other ones were so epic to me, and this was yeah. well. This was this so was other- okay. Uh, you know, a desert planet. Okay, uh, uh, this planet. Uh, they got five sets, and they're just running around, and there's a battle in each set, and then. You know, good versus evil at the end. To doom, it's over. Okay, it's, it's, see, well, it felt like a formula to me. You also, you also gotta like remember that when how old were you when you saw the first movie? Like, you know, that sense of wonderment that you can't really recapture from being, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Right? But like, I, but I very... loved, I loved episode one, two, and three when they came out. Yeah, Looking well, back I, on I, now, a now less, I really have to question your judgment. So, <laughs> Attack of the Clones is great. And so was episode three. That was Attack of the Clones. I forget the numbers. I get no, confused. Revenge of the Sith is episode three. Yeah, two and three were great. Uh, three was three was incredible. Uh, <laughs> now, we may have to agree to disagree on that one. They, were not, they weren't as good as four and five for sure. You know, I they, they I, have, I'm not a big fan of the Ewoks either. I think I I understand the <laughs> yeah, canon like everybody right. else. Right, right, you know, right. Number two, or well, Empire is the best one, and then Episode Four, and yeah. then I'd go three, two, mm. and then one. Wow, really? Not one, but I put Return above one, so six above huh. one. So I, I definitely would put all all three in the original trilogy above the prequels. Like I, I, I don't love the Ewoks either, but I still prefer Return of the Jedi over any of the uh, prequels. What a piece of junk. What else is good about 2015? Like, we, we sell this good stuff. There's, like, Vegas stuff. What are we excited about next year? Like, is Resorts World ever going to be a thing? Yes. Like, Elon Elon is going, but, like, Resorts World seems like it's on sleep mode. Between the thread on Vegas tripping and you guys, it's like I don't have my looking forward to 2016 column anymore because <laughs> I've already said everything that I said and I haven't even gotten, it's not going to be published until January. So I feel kind of bad. So do you want to hear what it's going to 
what I think the big yeah, deal is sure, going to be. If you're willing to share, I think that so supposedly sometime in the in the summer of 2016, the actual skill based games are going to come to Nevada casino floors. Yeah, that means something. So that's I mean that's yeah. one of the things that I'm kind of talking and thinking the most about right now. How's that going to change things? Especially if they take hold, right? Yeah. If they are popular. Yeah, and a lucky dragon. Yeah, which it's, doesn't. It, I mean, that has much sort of been sneaking up on the side, right? Yeah, like, you know, it's it sort of been progressing slowly and surely, but you know, it's that, that may, they're cranking. Well, the thing. yeah, but I mean, you know, it's sort of like uh, slow is maybe the wrong slowly and surely is maybe the wrong way to say it, but it's sort of like it's sneaking up on the side, right? Everyone's paying attention to the big guys on the strip, and they they're doing their thing like right off right off in the corner. Yep. Yeah, and is this going to be the new model? If it works, yeah. Boutique hotel, micro yeah. niche. I'm yeah. excited to eat there. I hope they have a good dumpling place. Yeah, I hope so. Yep. Should we be worried about Resorts World sort of being slow out of the gate? I think it's they're going to spend a lot of money to build this thing, man. I think they're taking their time. Yeah. Yep. I, but I think a lot of people expected that they would be a lot more vertical by now. Yeah. And so far, no. Yeah, I think they're just taking their time. I don't. Well, it. it will I don't be feel exciting. so impatient. They did do a groundbreaking thing, and they've, you know, they put up fences, and they're getting their funding together, and all this stuff. I don't think it's going to be as focused as Elon will be. Once that thing hits, it's going to go. Yeah, I mean, they seem like you know. There's that story about how they're fundraising whatever mumbo jumbo but like they seem like they are far more primed and ready to go than uh at least what we've seen so far in other resourceful people i went to see a volcano in hawaii what was that oh, yeah like? what was that like it was kind of cool it's the the expanse of the thing is just massive to stand there as the earth is gurgling you know, you can't really see down into the hole where the lava is, but <laughs> the fact that you have to drive through all of these lava fields where, you know, there's nothing there. It's like the desert of lava just to get to this thing and, and to be standing there is lava's spewing out and smoke and stuff to see the crust of the earth being formed. It's how, how it's, close could, how close do you get? Uh, it's not that close at all. No, you're, there's a lodge. It's it's in the Volcanoes National Park, and they have an old lodge. And they also have a museum at a different angle vantage point. So I'd say you're maybe maybe a mile or so, but you're on the top of a bluff that falls down into a deep crater, which leads to another crater inside of which is the lava. So it's it's pretty far away. So, like, why is it cool then? Because it's the the the, the inside of <laughs> Sorry, the earth I mean, is like, coming out. Like, where's the, the fucking lava? Like, where's cool. the fucking lava? Yeah, and lava, <laughs> smoke, and people He's with iPad pros time. taking video. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm gonna say is that didn't work out well at all for the third Doctor in the alternate universe in Inferno. I thought you were gonna drill down Skywalk. Uh, is the third doctor alternate universe inferno they drill down the alternate earth where it was militaristic drill down to the core of the earth and all kinds of bad stuff happened 
Speaking of Doctor Who, I was just watching uh, Jessica Jones, which stars David Tennant, who was Doctor Who for a while, uh-huh. um, which if you have not seen, it's on Netflix, Jessica Jones, really good. I, I, I don't know jack shit about Jessica Jones, the character. I've never read any of the comics or anything. Okay. Like, is it a movie? But it was a really good so, series. It's a series. Okay. I'm saying I'm so behind. I didn't even know. Yeah. What it's, a net, it's a Netflix did a, did a series at uh, like a, it's like 10 episodes or something, maybe okay. 12 episodes. I can't remember exactly how many. But yeah, it's like they they did a similar thing with Daredevil a couple mm. months ago, um, which I have not seen. But the Jessica Jones thing was awesome. I mean, like David Tennant was really good in the show, and I would highly recommend it. So. Mm. I it was one of those things where I started watching it, and I was like, "Fuck, no, I can't stop!" <laughs> and I just watched. You know, I was like literally watching like ten episodes on a Saturday. It was really bad. Oh. I had other things I was supposed to be doing, but. Uh, no, it was it was really good. Um, yeah, so I would recommend Jessica Jones, Netflix. David Tennant was quite good in the show, as are all of the other co-stars. So, so it goes. I saw a pretty cool documentary on the Netflix called "The Propaganda Game." Hmm. It's What's a, that about? It's about North Korea. This Ooh, uh, yeah. filmmaker from I think he's from Spain, Alvaro Longoria. He uh, he gets inside of of North Korea. With you know their permission, of course, and uh-huh, he's right. sort of being escorted around and being given the propaganda. So he goes to the shops that nobody can buy anything at, and they bring him to a church that's basically oh. put on as a sham. They bring him to all you know to meet all these people who just talk all you know devotional things about Kim Jong Un and Kim Jong Il and Kim Jong Sung, and uh, it's pretty fascinating. You know, two hours of watching propaganda, this guy talk about propaganda and be subject to propaganda. But at the same time, he's playing CNN propaganda and Fox News propaganda. So the counter war of propaganda between uh, North Korea and the rest of the world. Really fascinating stuff. Huh. What's it called? The Propaganda Game. Okay. I should watch that. Yeah. That sounds fun. It -hmm. is fun. Check that out. Yeah, I went and saw Spectre, the new James Bond movie. I missed it. You guys, you guys see it? that? Um, so I'm a really big James Bond fan, like big, big, big. Seen every movie like a bunch of thousand times. Uh, seen like documentaries about James Bond and everything. Um, I would give it like two and a half stars out of five. Oh. it started really strong. A really cool opening scene, and I was really disappointed because. Uh, you know, I not I don't think I'm spoiling too much, but you know the the movie's called Spectre, and it's a sort of rebirth of the original Spectre from the beginning of the series, and they've got Christoph Waltz that plays Blofeld, who's great, and yeah, I mean he's a great actor, right? He's yeah. amazing, and like, can you imagine a better guy to do Blofeld in a, a modern incarnation? But it was just like it was so flat. Mm. It was just like the movie started really strong with a really, really cool opening scene. And then after that, it was just like, did the writers all go on vacation? How did that happen? Because it just, it was like, I don't know. Because Sam Mendes directed it, who directed Skyfall, which I liked. Um, But uh, yeah, it just, it was just, it kind of went eh. It wasn't like terrible or anything, but it was just like, kind of like, okay. My, my wife, my wife Megan, she fell asleep. But like, <laughs> like that, <laughs> that pretty much does it all. Mm. 
That's too bad. So Skyfall I, I, was amazing. Yeah, I was disappointed. Yeah, I like Skyfall. You yeah. know, visually really fun and like, you know, kind of ridiculous plot, but at least kept you moving forward. Maybe it could be the uh, the odd even curse that's in the <laughs> Star Trek movies, right? Yeah, right. But with Daniel Craig, his Casino Royale was good. Quantum of Solace. Yeah, Quantum of Solace was terrible. Bad. <laughs> Skyfall, great. The thing they always said about Quantum of Solace was that it was like during the writer's strike, and so yeah. they, they literally like wrote it on the set. Like, <laughs> they're like, so now you're going to say this, and now you're going to say, like, so, <laughs> so that sort of made sense, but they don't have that excuse with this one. <laughs> yeah. so, so I don't know. That's I was it for Daniel Craig. No more from him. I don't, it, or is it I, unknown? I, it, it's, I, think it's, I think it's unknown. Like, uh, right off the movie, he got asked and he was like, fuck no. But, like, since then, I think he's sort of softened. I, I, my guess is that, you know, obviously, my, my speculation is that if uh, the next, if they came to him with a really good script and a lot of money, he would probably do one more. But yeah. that's probably it. He's a great and if the And if the script isn't good, he'll probably say, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll see. I think he's been great. I, I'm curious to see who they do next. Uh, you know, people have had all kinds of speculation about really different takes on the character, like a female version or like a black Bond or whatever. That like, was I, porn. You know, there was a porn, right? Chain Bond. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. I would love to see them blow the whole thing up. You know, Quentin Tarantino has said for years that he wants to like direct a Bond movie before he dies. I think that would be amazing. That would be amazing. I doubt they'll ever give it to him though, because they they control the character like so tightly. But anyway, it would be fun. Mm-hmm. Dave, are you a Star Trek person? And like, do you not like Star Wars? What's going? No, on? I like Star Wars too. If I, if I had to choose, Star I Wars think Two is for- great. Yeah. Cool. Anything you want to throw in uh, as a uh, sort of year ender before we go? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's it. Thank Good. you. Thank you too. 